Hello. <laughs> I'm glad to be here with y'all, for real. I mean, yeah, Doug has given me the opportunity to preach, so I'm excited to be doing that. And I'm excited you're here as well. And, like, I mean, I do announcements a lot here, and you guys have heard me say that a lot of times, but I hope you know that when I say that, that I actually mean that. Like, I, I really am glad you're here. Like, I love, I love the church. I love our people. I, I love what God is doing here, and it's exciting for me that you get to experience the awesome community that this is, the awesome family uh, that this group is. And I especially love working with my college students. Um, they're out there, and uh, it's funny sometimes. Like, I often, when I'm, like, working with them and I'm talking to them through some college stuff, I think back to when I started college. It was so bad. <laughs> I, I really did not like it. And it's not because, like, the glory days were in high school. I hated that, too. I mean, and, like, just for a little bit. It got better. Don't worry. I'm okay. But, like, I came into college at a very interesting point. I was going through a tough time. I had a lot of pain relationally uh, my senior year, and I brought a lot of that with me. And so I wasn't trying to make friends. I wasn't trying to get involved. I was burned before. I'm not about to get burned again. And so I'd wake up. I'd go to class, I'd eat in the dining hall, whatever was edible in the dining hall, and I'd sit in my dorm room, and that was it. And I felt completely invisible, like nobody knew me, nobody wanted to know me, and I was going through so much, but I felt I had to figure that out on my own, right? I had to fix it by myself, nobody was going to help me or encourage me. I was all alone, and I felt alone. Even when I would go home, and I'd visit some friends, and I'd be surrounded by people, and I'd feel completely alone. And that might not be your exact story, but I think we all have in some way struggled with this idea of being isolated, with some loneliness, maybe this problem of community, right? We, we have felt that pain relationally, right? We, we have been hurt by others. We have been uh, told to buy the lie that we're made to live life on our own. That's what's best for us. I mean, we've gotten so good at closing up our houses that the only thing getting through the front doors these days is the Amazon packages. Like, I mean, really, we technically don't have to leave our house or interact with anyone, ever. Like, we can order groceries online and have them delivered just fine. We can make any excuse in the world to get out of hangouts. We can ignore calls from our friends. We can pick hobbies that don't involve other people. We, we can for sure do that. Maybe you do some of those things. But we're missing out on something super important. And like we kind of see that. We've isolated ourselves, made ourselves unknowable. And then we wonder why we feel so lonely and unknown. Right? We've put ourselves in this position where we wonder how we are feeling so disconnected in the most connected age the world has ever seen through social media. How is that possible? How do we struggle so badly with community? And what are we supposed to do about that? And some of you may have come here asking those questions today. Maybe you've been asking them for a little while. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the importance of community. What does this look like? How do we do this right, right? And Scripture is going to tell us, of course. So if you want to turn with me to Acts 2, uh, and we're going to be in the back bit of it. We'll be starting in verse 42. And as you turn there, I want to take a second to further help us realize that we're actually made to be in community, right? We, we've seen that we have this problem with lacking community. We've seen the isolation issues, and there's a reason why it's such a problem for us. It's because we're missing out on something 
we've actually been designed for, right? We see from the very beginning God designed us for this. In Genesis 1, we're made in God's image, right? And basically what that means is we're designed to reflect God. We put his character, we put his nature on display to the world around us. And one thing we see about God in Scripture is that he is three in one, the Trinity. We have the Father, we have the Son, we have the Holy Spirit. And we constantly see Jesus, the Son, going away to pray to the Father, to commune with the Father. God himself is a community. And therefore, when we're in community, we're doing exactly what we're made to do. Our God is relational, and we are more like him when we are too. We also see that everything God made in Genesis was good, and the first thing that isn't good is for man to be alone. But guys, we're made to do life with others. Even looking outside of Scripture, I mean, Facebook, you have millions and millions of groups for all kinds of things, sports clubs, traveling, rock collecting, how to take care of your pet salamander, anti-rolling backpack people. There's a lot in that one. Like, there's something for everybody out there, right? And there's clubs and organizations in person all over the world. Why do you think that is? It's because we are designed with a deep desire to connect, to be seen, to be known, to be understood, to relate with people. We are made to be in community. And so with that being said, what we'll see in our time here this morning is this, is that biblical community is a gift from God and a glimpse of God. And this truth will be evident in Acts 2. So if you'll join me there, and I'll begin reading in verse 42. And we'll get after it. And it says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this day that you've made. We thank you for this time we get to get together as a community, and come around your word and talk about something that at one time or another, maybe right now, we've all struggled with, with this idea of community. Lord, we know we need it. We know we're made for it, but what does that look like? We know your word tells us, and so can you just speak through me and help me to get out of the way? Like, I, I don't want to make this about me. I really just want to showcase you, because you're the one who changes things. Uh, speak through me, help me to be clear, help us to understand, and actually do something with what we learn. It's in your name I pray, amen. Awesome. So some context for you just to set the scene. So in the section before this one, Peter preaches this amazing sermon at Pentecost, and he's telling them of the forgiveness and freedom found in Jesus, and he's calling them to believe and repent, uh, and 3,000 people get saved. And I'm hearing that, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's awesome, let's go. Good stuff. And it really is. Like 3,000 people getting saved. We love it. There is another part of me that hears that, though. Analytical Cameron. And Analytical Cameron is very much saying that this is a logistical nightmare. I mean, what do you do with 3,000 baby Christians all at once? It'd take us six and a half years to get them through Discover Cross Life. I know this. I used a calculator. And that's not very practical. 
No, we're dealing with people who have just begun walking in this new life. People with questions and confusion about, like, what the heck am I supposed to do now? Where do I go from here? So what do you do with people like that? You put them with people who have already begun walking in this new life. You give them community. And that's what they did in Acts 2. And the first thing we see about this community is that it's a gift from God. Look again with me in verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. So the believers in Acts devoted themselves to four things. The teaching of the apostles, which is God's word, right? It's based on the Bible, scripture. The fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. So what verse 42 does is it shows us community has two parts to it. Sharing faith and sharing life, right? We, we kind of see it if we, let's kind of like sandwich the verse. So on the outer layer, you have the buns, if you will, the devoting to God's word and prayer, right? These acts of faith. And on the inside of that, you have the fellowship and the breaking of bread, these acts of life, right? We need both. And let's break that down together. The first thing we see we share is faith. Okay, so spending time in God's word and prayer. These are great things to do, uh, to build a relationship with God, to grow in your faith. And we are to do these things individually for sure, but did you know we're actually called to do these things together as well? I mean, a great example of that is right here, right now, Sunday mornings, right? We come here on Sundays for church to do what? We hear Doug preach God's word, and we respond with worship and prayer. And on a deeper level than that, we have small groups, right, where we can discuss God's word together and pray for one another uh, and have that community time. These are the communities in which we practice these activities for sharing our faith. Now, something I want to say about these activities where, you know, we're reading God's word and we're praying, these aren't the end goal. And here's what I mean by that. We don't read our Bible and pray so that God loves us more and we're good Christians now. Like, I think oftentimes we're like, okay, I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying. I'm good with God. And if I don't, he's mad at me and I'm awful. And we make it performance-based. But I'm here to tell you that these activities are designed to build a relationship with God, even enjoy it. You're not checking a box. You're connecting with your creator who loves you, right? I love the way Ben Stewart paints the picture of this. He says, we engage in these activities to cultivate intimacy with God. We build a relationship with him. And I'm going to add on to that and say that it also demonstrates dependency. It demonstrates faith. We engage in these activities so that we can cultivate, cultivate intimacy with God and demonstrate dependency on God. And that's not just the activities of reading God's word and prayer. It's where we do them. It's the communities. Because going to church and attending a small group, these aren't checkbox things either. Like, I'll be the first to tell you that we do not care about programs here. Like, we're not pushing you to go to church or attend a small group to fill some number chart and feel better about ourselves. Like, that's not the game we're playing. We're not playing a game with you. No, we have seen for ourselves the beautiful gift that these communities are, and we invite you to engage in them. And this is, this is what it looks like. I mean, we see that, we see God in a un unique way. 
as others share their heart and what the Lord has been teaching them through his word, and we ponder the wonder and mystery of God, and it's revealed in his word, and we respond with worship together, right? And we're encouraged to keep and strengthen our faith as God is moving in the lives of those around us, and we are praying for that, and others are praying on our behalf for that, and that is what sharing faith is all about. So we share faith, but we are also called to share life, right? We see they devoted themselves to two other things, the breaking of bread and the fellowship, right? We have this surface level of life and this deeper level of life. It's both. We need both. And I think we kind of avoid one or the other for one reason or another, but there's a reason that both are mentioned here. And so let's talk about both. Let's talk about the surface level in the breaking of bread. Now, the breaking of bread is pointing to the fact that they shared meals together. It's not like an anti-gluten-free people thing. Like, it's, you're doing everyday life, right? They're sharing these activities together, and what do you talk about when you're doing everyday life? Everyday life. How are you? How was your week? What you been up to? Or maybe it's someone new. Hey, tell me about yourself. What do you like to do? What do you not like to do? Uh, what's kind of your thing? What's your hobby? You see... And what that allows us to do is we make people feel seen and known. We make them feel like, hey, I actually have friends who want to walk through everyday life with me. And that's an act of worship, honestly, as we come to appreciate the differences in others. Like, I can remember going out to eat all the time in college, weekly, several times a week with friends. I can't even count the number. My credit card can, but I don't need to. Um, But... We, we would talk all the time, and we get to know one another, and I got to know the interests of others. I found some interests of my own, and we related in that, and we had great times, and that's good. I came to appreciate the way God made others and enjoy life with them. Like, God has given us life not to just be regiment. Like, he's given us to enjoy it. He's given us himself to enjoy. He's given us the world to enjoy. He's given us others to enjoy life with. And so having a barbecue, inviting your friends over, having good hangs, good talks, that's good. That is an act of worship where we're enjoying what God has provided us with in community. But we are not meant to stop at the surface level. We're also called to have a deeper level of connection in life, this fellowship, right? It's deeper community, it's deeper conversation, and it's getting to know people in this way. Hey, what's your story? Like, what's something that happened in your life that really impacted you? How'd you grow up? Like, what was your family like? Where'd you grow up? How'd you get involved in church? You know, questions like that to really understand a person. We, we also see it's having hard topic conversations, right? It's looking at the world around you. I mean, and we see it for ourselves, and I think a lot of people shy away from, you know, hard topic conversations. I love them, personally. But, like, it's good because you get to be like, hey, what do you think about that? And you're coming to understand their perspective, and you're both seeking to point it back to Jesus, of course. Like, at college night events at Doug's house that we have monthly, you know, we eat dinner, we hang out, and then we have some topic conversations, right? Some of them are pretty tough, and, like, we go through different aspects of the Bible, like we just talked about spiritual gifts, Um, And I love those conversations. And like everybody kind of comes in with their own experience and we look back to scripture and have this deep conversation that leads to deeper community. It's also having conversations about the hard times, which is definitely something we shy away from. It's saying, I hate my job. I don't feel purposeful here. 
and I'm dreading going every single day. It's saying, I'm really struggling right now. It hasn't been the same since grandma died. And I just feel this heavy weight, and I don't know what to do. I'm struggling with some stuff. I made some mistakes. And it's really eating at me. And I know I've been forgiven, but I, I just can't get past it. It's the weightier things of life. And that requires vulnerability, which is scary. But it also requires wisdom. Like, this isn't like a, let me just post it on social media or tell anyone and everyone about, you know, the deep, dark stuff in my life. Like, no, there's wisdom with it. Like, small group of trusted, loyal friends who love God and love you and want what's best for you, right? But we aren't made to carry these heavy circumstances on our own. We're not designed to. Any Marvel fans in the room? Yeah. All right. So Captain America, Civil War. When Prince T'Challa at the time and Black Widow are having that conversation uh, in the meeting, he says, two can get more done in a room than a hundred. And then his dad comes up and says, unless you need to move a piano. And we're all walking around here trying to carry a piano by ourselves. God gave you a group of people dedicated to you to help you lift those loads that you weren't made to carry on your own, those hard times. And so we see that in the fellowship. And that doesn't only just free you, and you don't only benefit from that, but the others around you benefit from that. Like, you know, a story just recently, two weeks ago, one of my best friends, we found out that his dad has cancer again. Uh, And it's horrible. Like, obviously, we're not happy about that. So, you know, we go and check in on them, go over to visit, and we see the Burtons doing exactly what we've always known the Burtons to do, but it was like surprising, but not. They chose joy. Despite their circumstance, they said, we're in good hands. We serve a big God, and no matter the outcome, we're in good hands, and so we're going to choose joy. And it's helped me to look at my circumstances in life and choose joy in them as well. And that wouldn't happen if they didn't share their life with me. Sharing life changes lives. This is such a gift. And community, so it involves sharing faith and sharing life. But that isn't just at set scheduled times. Like, it's a lifestyle. It's a mindset. It's a heartbeat that we should always aim to have. And let's pick up in verse 43, and we'll see this. And awe came upon every soul, sharing faith. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, sharing life through faith. And all who believed, sharing faith, were together and had all things in common, sharing life. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, sharing life in faith. And day by day, attending the temple together, sharing faith, and breaking bread in their homes, sharing life, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, sharing life with faith. Praising God, sharing faith, having favor with all the people, sharing life. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Sharing faith and sharing life so that others may find life through faith in Christ. It is a mindset. These believers in Acts 2 didn't just set times to do this stuff and not care about it. No, they walked through their day with the mindset of, how can I share my faith? How can I share my life with the others around me? It's a mindset, and we see the results. We see spiritual growth, like they followed Jesus daily together. They pushed each other to do it. We see mutual care among the believers. They took care of each other. 
right? As any odd need, they provided, verse 45. And even some sold things to do so. Now, here's what that's not saying. That is not saying like, I need to sell all my things and give it all away to be a good Christian. That's not what the verse is saying here. What it's saying is we should be able to value others in a way that we can say, I can sacrifice a little comfort where I have excess to meet your need where you are lacking. They took care of each other because they valued each other. This is a gift. That's what we're looking for. We've been looking for people who encourage us, who value us, who are for us. We're looking for people to get closer to God with, walk through life with, enjoy life with. This is community, and it's a gift from God where we share faith and share life. Not only is community a gift from God, though, it is a glimpse of God. Look with me in verse 47. It says this, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So all these non-believers around the early church looked at their community and they wanted in. Why? It's because they saw something they did not see anywhere else. They saw people who actually cared about each other and showed it. They saw people despite their circumstances, which it was very difficult to be a Christian at this time if you didn't know. In that hardship, they chose joy. They'd never seen anything like it, and they wanted to be around that. They wanted to benefit from that. And as they got around it, they saw who God is and what he's done, and they chose to follow him. Todd Engstrom says this, that the most persuasive argument for the Christian faith is the Christian community. The majority of conversions throughout church history came not through argumentation, but through belonging to a meaningful community before belief is ever required. Through the people of God, the lost caught a glimpse of God, and they were never the same again. And we see a glimpse of God in two ways here. We see community as a glimpse of God's character. These people dedicated themselves to reflect God in their lives, right? And so what do we see about God through them? We see a God who is relational and devoted in verse 42. We see a God who's involved in the lives of his people in verse 43. We see a God of unity in verse 44. We see a God who makes sacrifices out of love for his people in verse 45. We see a God who is a generous giver and provider in verse 46. And we see a God who desires to give life to the lost in verse 47. This is Jesus. The character of God on display through his people. Community is also a glimpse of God's commitment. And here's where we're going to have a little heart-to-heart. I know about 15 minutes ago, some of you checked out when I said that community is a gift from God. You said, no way. Not by a long shot. And I understand why. It's because that hasn't been your experience with community. You've been hurt bad. You've trusted others and you were betrayed. You tried to open up and were met with closed-off people who said, go away, we don't want anything to do with it. And let me be the first to apologize if that's been your experience with church, whether you're a believer or not. Like, I'm sorry, that's not Jesus. But I want to encourage you with the fact that these believers experience that same hurt. And it doesn't really seem like that immediately here in the passage. Like, looks like everything's going great. 
But what we know about these people is that they are people. They are humans just like us, and what do we know about us? Our relationships are messy. We're sinful, we're selfish, and we make mistakes that cost others. I mean, there's a reason that Paul wrote so much about relational issues in his letters to the churches. is because we suck at it. We're bad at community. We're bad at relationships. Guys, they weren't these lifeless, emotionless people who just decided one day, yeah, we're going to do this, and it all was great from there. No, like this stuff takes work. And in this process, they definitely experienced hurt. There was gossip. There was betrayal. There was slander. There was conflict. And that brought them to a fork in the road where they chose to commit. The same fork in the road we are now, where we have a choice. We can choose to call it quits, do life on our own, say forget that, or we can commit to the community as God has called us to. Why should we? I think it's important to remember when we're trying to decide should we commit or not, God's commitment to us. When we hurt and betray him and put a strain on our relationship with him, he doesn't write us off. He doesn't turn away. He loves us enough to stay, despite the fact that we keep doing it. That's commitment. And that commitment encourages us and allows us to commit to the community. Trust that it actually is a gift, as he says. It's worth it. And I'm not going to pretend there's no risk. Like, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. Who wins there? There is a risk. People are going to hurt you. There's going to be disappointment. There's going to be hard days. But I think when we see the commitment of God, we are reminded that he's called us to stay committed to his people as well. And that is a reflection of him, a glimpse of him. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that Everybody in here is a Christian. I know that's not the case. And I'm glad you're here. We welcome you. Like, really, we are so glad you're here. We're glad you've been coming around the community, maybe for a bit. Maybe this is your first time. We love that you're around the community. We love that it's positively affecting you. But we actually want something even better for you. We don't want you to just stay around the community. We want you to become a part of the community, a part of the family, God's family. Do you remember that story I was talking about in Genesis, how we were made to be in community and we were in good community with God? Well, there's a reason it's not like that today. I think even before here, you knew that. You look, just turn on the news, it's broken. People are awful to each other. And there's a lot of chaos, and it's because of sin. It's because we as humans decided to rebel against God and choose to be the God of our own lives. And it resulted in a lot of chaos, including broken relationships with others and with God. There's a separation that happened because of our choice. And we keep making these choices, and they ultimately lead to one consequence, death. God doesn't want that. We don't want that. He loves us enough to do something about it. He's bringing the community back together. So he sent Jesus. And Jesus showed us what community really looks like. Community with him and others. As he was best friends with the 12 disciples, walked together for three years, seeing amazing things happen. 
And at the end of those three years, these same best friends caused Jesus the hurt that we all experienced. They betrayed him. They abandoned him, and they denied him. And he still chose to say this, that there is no greater love than this, than to lay one's life down for one's friends. And that's exactly what he did. He chose to die in their place, and he rose again, showing that the sacrifice was accepted. We are free from that which separates us from him and the consequences. He has paid the price. And anyone who trusts in him has that freedom, has that forgiveness. And guess what? Following God, you may have a lot of questions. You may have a lot of confusion. Sure, we all start somewhere. But guess what? You don't need to figure it out on your own because you have community. You have a people dedicated to you, helping you run your race towards Jesus day by day by day until one day where that community between God and humans will never be separated again. Now, if you'll stand with me, I'll ask every head to be bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you've come here this morning as someone who's never trusted to be, for Jesus to be that Savior we just talked about. Maybe you've come here this morning as someone who has heard about this Jesus and desires to have a relationship with him, but you don't really know what that looks like. I want to invite you to do that. Don't think because of any mistake that you've made that he doesn't want a relationship with you. He very much does. Like, I need you to understand this. There is a seat at the table for you. You are invited, and there is a seat for you. And it really is as simple as sitting down. I mean, y'all came in here, and you sat in a chair without even thinking about it. You just knew that chair would hold you up, right? Jesus is just like that chair. You can trust that he really did pay it all. His work on the cross can carry you and has really freed you. And you sit down through belief and repentance, right? It's admitting our sinfulness and believing God loved us so much that he sent his son to die in our place. And that three days later, he rose again and is alive today, showing us that the sacrifice was accepted. We are free when we believe in him. Believe that and repent. And basically what that is, it's, it's turning away from your sin. It's turning away from that which you know isn't good for you. It brings about a lot of hurt and brokenness in the end. And choose to walk towards Jesus and his life which brings about everything for your good. And if that's a decision you want to make, I want to I pray with you real quick and know that there's no magical words here. We're not saying a chant and everything's a-okay. No, there, there's a heart behind it, this heart of belief and repentance. And that's what matters. Pray with me. Jesus, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up big time. And I know my sin separates from me from you. But God, I've seen that you love me because you sent Jesus to die for me. And I believe that death really did pay it all. Lord, would you help me to follow you? Help me to choose you day after day. And I don't know what that looks like, but I pray for a community to help me. 
And I know you'll provide it because you're not going to leave me empty-handed. I trust you today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, for those who are believers in the room, whether that's for the past five minutes, five years, five seconds, I want to invite you to take a step towards the community we saw in Acts 2. Maybe that's opening up your home to others throughout the week for an intentional gathering. Maybe that's joining a small group. Maybe that's connecting with a family again, seeking friends who are devoted to this life or having that conversation with your current ones. Take a step to join the community. Let me pray for us before we go into the last song. Lord, you give us good gifts because you are good. And you desire, you desire your people to not have to figure this out on their own, but to walk together towards you. And we see that when we share faith and share life, Lord, it truly is life. Would you help us to do this? Help us to find ways to connect in community. Help us, give us opportunities to connect with others. Push us to this because we know it is good. It's in your name we pray, amen. Now there's plenty of things we can do from here. You can go to the connection table after, sign up for a small group. If you just got saved, definitely go there. You know, we have some stuff we'd love to give you. We'd love to walk with you through what's next. We don't want to leave you hanging there. Do that for sure. But let's respond together as a community. Let's devote ourselves to prayer. This altar is open for you to come up where you can pray for that community. You can pray with your community, your friends, your family. You could also stay in your seats. Maybe you want to have a conversation with some friends and family about like, how do we do this? How do we make our group have this? Maybe you want to pray for small groups and the church as a whole to demonstrate this Acts 2 community. Whatever it is, God desires this for us. Maybe you don't have community and you're looking for it. Ask him and I'm sure he'll give it because he's calling us to it because it's a glimpse of him and a gift from him to all. So let's respond together as the band plays, the altar's open in community.